all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Levius, his surname is Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the host of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. Let's pray. Father, just looking at what we just read and seeing these apostles and the mission that Jesus gave them and the power that he transferred to them to go and heal and raise the dead.
having denied him that was put off. And we're thankful for that because here we are. We get to <laughs> take part in that um, that salvation, that sacrifice on the cross. And so there is some differences, and that's really all I wanted to say is that when we when we read some of this and it doesn't really line up with what we believe and preach always directly, and because there are differences, because he hadn't yet died, he hadn't yet made the sacrifice for our sins, and so whatever gospel he's preaching is looking forward to what was going to happen, not looking at God backwards at what has already taken place. So there, there are some differences there. Now, so into this, though, um, I want to look at the people. Luke 6 contains a match, matching passage. Uh, verse 13 of, of Luke 6 says that he called his disciples unto him, and of them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. And I mentioned in, in weeks past that there was many people, many of the people that followed Jesus were referred to as disciples. Um, it wasn't limited to just the twelve that are actually named here. Um, but of those people that followed him, he chose these specific twelve. And it says he named them apostles. And so there's a, that little distinction in that as well. And here's another rabbit trail that I'm not going to spend too much time on. But that number 12 is interesting. Uh, it's interesting because if you look at what took place at the end of Jesus' ministry, and uh, we know that Judas, and it mentions it in this passage, that Judas betrayed Christ. And so of that number 12 apostles, we're brought down to 11. And after Jesus' resurrection and his ascension, and when the things were starting to be established in the New Testament church. In Acts, we see that they, the apostles felt the need to fill that vacant position for that 12th apostle. Well, why? Why do we have to fill, why does there have to be 12? I don't know. <laughs> but it, it is interesting that, that the 12 apostles was an important number to, to maintain. So they actually chose this other guy, Matthias fill that 12th position. Um, and we see the same sort of thing happening in the Old Testament with the 12 tribes of Israel. And if you've ever paid attention to it, if you're reading through your Old Testament and it lists the names of the 12 tribes, which it does in many different places, the list of names actually varies as you go through that. Um, depending on when and where we are and what's been taking place politically, kind of, with those tribes and, and the people involved. And so initially the 12 tribes are supposed to be the 12 sons of Jacob, the 12 sons of Jacob renamed Israel. <laughs> the 12 sons of Jacob. <laughs> so that's a prominent name, I know that. That's right, it's a good name. And so with those 12 sons was the 12 tribes and they were named, each tribe just took the name of 12 sons. Um, 
But as we read some of the stories that carried on from there, when Joseph went into captivity into Egypt, he had two sons. And when we come back to naming the 12 tribes, Joseph no longer is one of the tribes that's named, but his two sons are named instead. Well, that makes 13, doesn't it? That means somebody else's name was also eliminated in that list. And I asked Jen, and she gave me one answer. And I didn't go and look it up, just, but I, I'm thinking it's Levi because of the priesthood is taken out of that list during that time. But, but you will see that there are, at different times, different names intermixed in that list. Um, I do believe Joseph is put back in it some point along the way uh, and things like that. So it's just interesting that they maintain the 12 names even when they switch the names around. Um, and I'm not going to get into what the meaning of 12 is. And I, I think it's important just for us to realize that there's some significance to this. God isn't doing these things randomly. Um, it's not just an arbitrary number. Like God chose 12 for a reason chose the 12 apostles for a reason. And the number 12 is important to maintain. And, you know, some people will get into preaching and what that 12 means, and, and then you start looking at how 12 is used throughout Scripture. And every time there's 12 of anything, you try to force this meaning into that, and it doesn't always work, and sometimes it kind of messes with our theology. Um, and it, we lose focus on what the Bible is actually And I've seen that, that done different times but, and with different numbers. So that's why it's important. It's God's not doing it randomly or arbitrary. There's a, there's a purpose in it. And we'll someday understand that purpose and that picture that he's painting for us. But I, as we go today, I want to look at these 12 apostles. Um, where we can, can you name the 12 apostles? Sometimes they would know and sometimes they wouldn't. Um, but in, in, a, in my day-to-day -day life, I don't have a need to memorize a list of names, right? These 12 names, they're important enough for God to record them for us to read. I don't think it's that important that everyone must memorize what these 12 names these apostles are. And it's interesting, as we start to look at these individuals, we know next to nothing about most of them other than their name is listed here. And that's very interesting. And so, one of the things that we notice as we go through this list of names is that the names, as recorded in the different New Testament books, sometimes have some variation in these names as well. But it's not because we've changed the individuals that are there. It's because these individuals go by different names. And so, if, if you've ever known someone named Bill, um, we used to pal with a guy named Bill, and one time I was looking up a phone book, I was looking for a massage therapist, 
just like, okay, well, I'm just going to go with that because the name was familiar. Well, it turned out to be the same guy. <laughs> but he went by Bill and by William, depending on what job he was doing. Um, I guess William sounded more professional as a massage therapist. And Bill was a more fun-loving guy when he goes past him to him. So, um, but we do that with our names sometimes. An interesting one, I had a friend in high school that went by the name Jeff. And he spelled that G-E-F. And I love that he took away a spelling the name Jeff. But his name wasn't Jeff at all. His name was George. But his name was George Edward Fox III. And so I guess his family came up with using his initials as a name for him, they called him Jeff instead, and I guess that clarified between his father and his grandfather which one they were yelling at. And so it was just interesting the way we use names. And so I, we can look at these names and some might think that, look, there's a mistake or there's errors in the Bible. It's nothing like that. These guys used different names. Um, and we see the different names pointed out at different times in the Bible, sometimes only by the change of the name of the list, but sometimes we see it actually told to us outright that this person is also called this or also called this. And so we'll see that as we go through. So again, I'll just read this list of names and we'll get into it. It says, now the names of the 12 apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter, name that you can see sometimes. Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the publican. James, the son of Alphaeus. And Livia, whose surname is Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanite. And Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. So those are the 12 names that we're going to look at. To start with Simon, which is Peter, and Andrew, his brother. Interesting, these two guys are brothers. Peter's the older brother, and they're fishermen. And they actually, as we can see in different parts of Scripture, uh, James and John, the next two that we'll look at, are also fishermen. And it appears that these guys all knew each other. They fished in the same area. And so these were the working companions that all shared a common livelihood, but a common belief, a common interest, and a common dedication to, to God. Um, we'll just kind of see that as we go through. When we see in the book of John, if you want to turn there, uh, John chapter 1, and I'll, I'll probably flip to a couple different spots, but I'll come back to John chapter 1 a couple of times, actually names a few, few of the different guys here. So, um, John chapter 1 verse 40. Maybe we can start prior to that. Um, I'll just start in verse 35 with that, that whole context. It says, again the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples 
disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two, which heard John speak, and followed him, so, you know, two of John's disciples went following Jesus, is what just took place. One of the two is was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And verse 41 says, And he first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation and so this is our introduction to Andrew and Peter and this shows us that the very first time that Peter sees Jesus Jesus looks at him and addresses him and gives him this name Cephas saying you're going to be called a stone and it's interesting because when we read how Jesus, or how Peter and Andrew become disciples of Jesus, it's not at this time. They were disciples of John the Baptist. They followed John the Baptist around when he was preaching and baptizing. They were there when uh, John baptized Jesus. And so this next day, John is there, and Jesus is still there, and John's pointing to Jesus, behold the Lamb of God, and I don't know where Peter was, maybe he was back fishing, maybe, I don't know where, he was somewhere, but he, Cyber, Andrew, right away goes and finds Peter, and says, come on, we found the Messiah, we've got to go see this guy, and so they do, but in Matthew chapter 4, it's a very brief passage, but as Jesus is traveling from town to town preaching, and when he comes to where Simon and Andrew, Peter and Andrew are fishing, he says, come follow me. And it says that they left their nets, and they went and they followed him. And so to me, this can't be the same instance. This is, it looks to me like they were there and they're back and forth between going to see these guys preaching and then going back and fishing and working. And now Jesus comes and passes their way. And he says directly to them, come and follow me. And at that point, when they got that invitation, they dropped the nets. They left the stuff behind. And you don't see them, well, you do see them go back to it after his death um, when, they're, when they're discouraged. But that's brief. <laughs> but they don't go back to that. It's 100% following Christ from that moment on. So Peter himself is the, the apostle that we see the most information about when we're going through the New Testament. He's one that comes
we love the most, maybe because it's not the biggest moment, um, it's the most vocal of the crowd, but it appears like we may really be the leader, the spokesman for the, for the 12 apostles. Uh, and we see him in different situations and reacting in different situations, and he's kind of a rough guy. He's outspoken, he speaks his mind. Um, whenever he's in a situation, says whatever comes to mind, it comes out of his mouth. And I've said in the past couple weeks, that's kind of a dangerous thing to have happen, right? We should stop and think before we speak. But Peter didn't do a lot of that. He just spoke what was on his mind, and we knew what he was thinking. And for some reason, that's all recorded, not all of it, but a lot of that is recorded for us in the Gospels. And we can see Peter's faults. We can see his humanity. We can see his his character and, and the flaws that he has. And we're sometimes critical of him. But Peter is like one of the most used apostles. He is so dedicated to Jesus. Um, it's incredible. And you look at this guy, and he's a fisherman. He was, when Jesus goes and finds him, later on, after his resurrection, he's on the boat fishing. And when he, they have this conversation, when he realizes that this is Jesus that he's talking to, he grabs his fisher's coat and wraps around and throws himself in the lake, because he's naked. <laughs> he's a rough, crude guy. Um, you see him, when he's standing around when, during Jesus' trial, there people are starting to recognize him or listen to the way he talks. And like, you were with him, you were with him. And the third time, as he cursed, he's swearing. <laughs> Back to his old Christian ways, right? This is, this is the stuff that used to come out of his mouth. He was a, a rough, rough guy. But what a transformation took place in that guy. This is the person that Jesus chose as what we see as the leader of the apostles. It's incredible. Um, also, an interesting with them and he comes to Peter's house and his mother-in-law was sick. 
mention of that um, in one other passage right now in the gospel as well, um, Peter's wife. And so we know that Peter was married, and that mention in First Corinthians 9, uh, it's not super clear, but it looks like Peter traveled with his wife when he was traveling to do mission work as well. But in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 7,
following John, he's believing the message that John is preaching. And obviously Peter did too. But when John points to Jesus, says that's who I'm talking about. Andrew immediately turns and follows him. And when he goes to get John or Peter, it was an immediate we found the Messiah. You gotta come and see this guy. And so he does. And so that's an immediate belief, that faith that he had was so immediate and so complete. It's what a good example he is to us in that way. But we don't see a lot else about Andrew as we go through the Gospels. He's kind of that side, one of these silent in the background guy. And so this is kind of all we have about him is, you know, he was a fisherman, he worked, he was a hardworking guy, and we know he was very dedicated, very spiritual minded as well. Just move on to James and John. These are another pair of brothers, another pair of fishermen. And it mentions in Mark chapter 1 that when they left to follow Jesus, they left behind the hired servants to run the boats, to do the fishing and whatnot. And some people think that that is an indication that they might have been a little bit wealthier than the average guy if they could afford hired servants. Um, that may or may not be true, though. But they were able, at least somebody's still running the boats, they were able to leave and have the work done behind them. There's no indication Peter and Andrew might have just parked the boat and that was that, right? Just sitting at the dock, being unused. It's not the same for, for James and John. The Bible describes James and John as the sons of thunder. And my guess is that it has to do with their boldness in the way that they follow Christ. Their the way they're vocalized, their faith. <laughs> they must be very passionate, outgoing guys to be called sons of thunder. We don't see a lot of James. Uh, we see that he's the older brother of John, and again, he's one of these guys that's not in the spotlight. He's, but we don't we don't see a lot of specific things said about him. But we see his name in a place where we don't see very many other names. And we read that a couple weeks ago in the story of Jairus. When they went into the house to heal Jairus' daughter, there was only three of the apostles that they were allowed to go in. Peter, James, and John. James is one of those three. And we see the same thing in the Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus was transfigured and God came and spoke, who are the three apostles that are there with him? Peter, James, and John. When you get in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before they arrest Jesus, preparing for his crucifixion, he sends, he stops all of the apostles down below, and he goes up, but he brings Peter, James, and John with him when he goes up to pray. They are the ones that are with Jesus in all of those extraordinary times. And so even though we don't see anything specific about James, he was one of those three that were in Jesus' closest circle. Um, and so there was something very special about 
also interesting that James is the only of the only one of the apostles that the Bible records how he died. Uh, we have uh, there's traditions that have been passed down and historical accounts of most of the apostles and their stories about how each one died. Uh, talks we, we often hear of Peter that he was supposed to be crucified and he didn't feel worthy to be killed in the same way that Jesus did, and so he requested to be crucified upside down. Um, but that's not necessarily a fact, that's just a tradition that's been handed down, a historical account. The Bible doesn't record that for us, and so we don't really know for certain if that's a true story or, or not. But James was actually recorded, he's the only apostle recorded of how he was killed. And we do see that he was martyred for his faith. He was killed, uh, probably beheaded, it, was, it says in Acts chapter 12, that he was killed by the sword. Typically, not really, by taking his head off. And this was done by the, the ruler of the day. And he was doing it to please the people, just to kill these Christians. And so James, not willing to, to forsake Jesus, lost his head for it. Um, and so we see that incredible dedication to his Savior. John, we see a lot more of. Um, we see him well, in his writings in particular. Uh, we see John, next to Paul, wrote the largest portion of the New Testament, having written the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the epistles, and also the book of so we see we see a lot of John and his character in, in his writings, but we see some specific things, and he's described as the disciple whom Jesus loved, and so he has that super close relationship with Jesus, and again that term of being the sons of thunder, and one of those stories that came up was. James and John are asked, you know, privately, they take Jesus as a private moment. And can we sit at your right and left hands when we go into the kingdom? These are bold. And it seems too bold, right? But that's the closest of the relationship they have. But it's that boldness that gives them that close relationship with Christ. Gives them that Sometimes people who say dumb things a lot, they say dumb things because a lot of things come out of their mouth. But they're not afraid to speak their mind. People that aren't afraid to speak their mind can be very useful. And Jesus needed people who were willing to speak their mind, willing to risk offending, willing to risk chapter 1, if you're there, verse 45, 
we see him going to Nathaniel, telling him that we found the Messiah. Come and see. That's the only time that we really see Philip active in the in the scriptures. But we do see that he also had a passion and a desire to share, to, to bring others in to that group, to make sure others knew about Jesus. But, and obviously we have that immediate faith as well, that dedication that this is the Messiah. This group of guys believed in Jesus. Nathaniel to drain. And we see that story continue in John chapter 1. It says, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him whom, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see him. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Jesus saith, answer, Jesus answered and saith, said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter, ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And so we see this story take place of Nathaniel, and he obviously has some prejudice against Nazareth. He's from, we see in another spot that he's from Cana, from Galilee, and what we see here is, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It's like, I've met some guys from there. I know what they're like. And he just has that prejudice against them. But you see how easily convinced he was? And even Jesus points out I say to you that I saw you under the fig tree and now you believe? That's all it took to convince you? And now you're proclaiming me as the Son of God, the King of Israel? It was such an easy convincing thing. It's like he, he was he was trying to do his due diligence and being skeptical. <laughs> he didn't want to just fall for this thing. But when he saw Jesus and when Jesus spoke, he just knew this is him. No need for me to hold up this pretense of Philip anymore. And so we just see that character, that willingness to believe when he's faced with the truth. And that's the kind of people that these apostles were. We looked at Matthew a few weeks ago. He was a tax collector. Luke chapter 5 gives us the most detail, and he's known as Levi in that case. And Jesus walks by where he's receiving, where he's collecting the taxes. He says, come and follow me. And it says he left all. And the next verse 
criticizing him, criticizing Jesus for being in his home, for being, spending time with this tax collector and all these sinners that are in his home. These guys are Thank you. 